So hi, uh, this is Aaron Orlando with the Revelstoke Mountaineer. I'm uh, at the uh, office up here in Mountain Colab on a Saturday afternoon uh, talking with Jerry Taft, who is the new uh, candidate for the provincial riding of Columbia River, Revel Columbia River Revelstoke for the NDP. Jerry, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Yeah. So Jerry, I was in the shower this morning. I was. Uh, thinking about what I was going to ask you today and trying to figure out uh, something that would be uh, interesting for people and then it occurred to me that uh, you're the one applying for the job not me so it's not it's not my job to, to, to come up with the, the answers here it's your job to come up with them so can you answer my question uh, for you I guess first of all I'd like to find out a little bit more about yourself uh, but then let's get into why you think you would be a good candidate for uh, for the writing so uh, tell me uh, what's your background yeah, so uh, I guess we start at the very beginning. I was uh, born in Invermere and grew up in, in Invermere and uh, spent most of my life there. And I uh, went to college in Kamloops and studied tourism and uh, made the decision after uh, doing the two-year program um, to move back to my hometown. And the main reason I made that decision was twofold. One was to start my own business and the other one was to get involved in local politics. And so I realized after I left my hometown that I really missed it and I wanted to contribute and be part of what was going on. So I moved back at the age of 20 and uh, began opening a series of small businesses, which eventually in 2004 became uh, the business I had the longest, which was Jerry's Gelati, uh, homemade ice cream and coffee. And uh, I ended up opening one retail location as well as a couple of uh, seasonal locations and doing some wholesale and then eventually getting into coffee roasting and a whole, other, whole bunch of other stuff. Um, but also around the same time in 2002, uh, that fall, when I returned to Invermere, I ran for council for the first time and uh, got elected to council at the age of 20 and then continued to serve on council. So uh, I've been on council consecutively since then. Um, in 2008, uh, the current mayor decided not to run and uh, I decided to put my name forward and run as mayor and, and was elected in 2008. And have uh, I'm now on my third term as mayor in Invermere, mm -hmm. and uh, just in the last basically the last year, um, after following provincial politics for a long time and uh, recognizing that uh, our current MLA Norm Macdonald um, was not going to run again, um, decided to make the the formal step and get more involved in provincial politics and more involved with BC NDP, and uh, and ran for the nomination and was successful in in getting the nomination. Um, in the fall of 2016 and of course I'm now working on this election and, and trying to first of all get people aware and engaged in the May 9th um, election and secondly get my name out there and, and uh, try to connect a name in the face and um, especially for uh, a lot of my political career in the in the East Kootenays um, it's sort of stopped at Golden to some degree and of course Revelstoke is is a very unique place and, and to some degree is its own um, unique place and um, so that's something I'm trying to put a lot of effort into is, is get to Revelstoke a lot more and try to be um, better known in Revelstoke, but also try to understand the issues in Revelstoke better. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and politics was always going to be a career for you, or are you a businessman and a politician on the side, or tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, for most of my life, uh, my two passions have been small business and politics, and they've kind of coexisted for a really long time. So in grade three, I was selling Lego in the classroom. In grade five, I was running for class president and class council. And uh, for a long time, I was able to do both. So it's very recently, even through the whole um, municipal experience, 
um, I just sold the uh, Jerry's Gelati, the business. I was, was going to ask you that. I thought you still had that business. You just, just got just rid of it? Just sold it. it. Yeah. Um, the new owners took over January 1st. And uh, as I've said to a few people, it, it was a bit like letting go of your firstborn child. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it is a bit of an adjustment, but it's also, um, it feels good to be able to have the time and the energy to dedicate to the campaign and to be in a position that if I'm um, lucky enough to win on May 9th, that I can hit the ground running and I don't have to worry about um, scooping gelati in the summer <laughs> and the staffing, some of the staffing issues that always comes with running a small business. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, this is the time where I've chosen between the two sort of parallel worlds um, at this point to, to get out of business and focus um, on politics. Okay. Um, I wanted to touch on something you said earlier and that was your, you know, getting out to Rebel Stoke to do some door knocking today and uh, get out there and uh, learn about what the issues are here. One of the questions uh, over the years that I've asked pretty much any candidate, whether they're, you know, provincial or federal, is, um, well, I guess I've expressed my belief that, that people here um, have switched between left-wing and right-wing parties, uh, federally and provincially, and one of the trends is to pick out a candidate who they feel, and this is my opinion, will represent the interests of the riding as opposed to the interests of the party. Um, so the, the question is this, um, what, what are the concerns uh, that you're hearing from Revelstoke residents and how are you going to be taking them forward if you're elected? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one of the things that I've um, discovered, and it, it, is, it is a good thing, um, is that a lot of the issues that are happening in Revelstoke are very similar to those in Golden, Kimberley, and Invermere. Um, so for this riding, the major communities in this riding, um, they're all resort municipality communities, um, and they all have a lot of similar um, challenges and opportunities. And of course, there are some nuances and some differences between each one. Um, but things like housing affordability, um, things like um, wage rates, uh, food security, these are all kind of common themes. So it is. Um, very interesting and, and I think um, a positive thing that there's so many similarities throughout the riding and you don't have a, a complete outlier or a complete community that is um, dealing with the issues that are so different than the rest of the communities. Um, so I think that a lot of the themes are very consistent and uh, I, I like to think at least that the, um, the 14 plus years of local government experience, a lot of these issues I've already been working on, have a lot of familiarity with. Um, so it's not starting from square one or starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. And I sort of know both what's been done by local municipalities and communities on these files already. I also know what the province has or hasn't done on these things and have some ideas on some of the gaps and what could be improved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so hopefully I'm able to um, help to implement um, some improvement in these areas. So let's pick out a couple of those, starting with housing. Um, what are you going to do about it? It's a big issue here in, in Revelstoke. Uh, you know, uh, the census just came out uh, a couple of weeks ago showing that uh, we're up by 5.7% since 2011. So that's a significant increase. And certainly uh, everyone here understands the housing pressure. Uh, housing prices uh, are, are going back up again. Uh, rental rates are way up compared to just a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people say, a lot of people who are working, for example, in the service industry and not making great wage say, you know, it's just, you just can't, can't manage it here. You can't swing it here. So what is this, what is, uh, how are you going to affect change on the housing issue and how, how are you going to bring it down to, um, to Revelstoke? Mm-hmm. No, great question. So I think ultimately it does take some partnerships between all levels of government. 
so not one level of government on their own can do it. And so definitely municipally can't, uh, the municipal council can't do everything. Um, but on the same hand, uh, you need provincial and federal partners as well for some of the funding. Um, but there's definitely different categories within housing. There's real need on the social side. And right now we are starting to see a bit of money flow in social housing, although it is debatable if it's enough and if it's being put in the right places. Um, but there's also a need um, to look at purpose-built rentals. Um, and it's been a long time in BC since there's been um, any purpose-built rentals um, hit the market. It's almost all new construction, especially in a multifamily format, is designed as, as condominiums, designed to be sold. Um, and there needs to be, um, and it might not even require a lot of subsidization, but there needs to be some, some form of incentives or some form of um, perhaps um, assistance with funding to stimulate uh, purpose-built rentals and to increase the, the supply of what's available for, for rent because that is a, a huge challenge in almost all, all communities in the riding. Mm -hmm. And, of course, uh, an issue that probably you're familiar with and a lot of other people are familiar with the, the challenges of short-term rentals and what that can do to the um, rental inventory and to the housing inventory. Mm -hmm. And then on the sort of attainable housing and the purchase side, um, there there is some real challenges with how do you create um, or maintain a housing stock that is affordable for people to be able to buy. And uh, But those are all challenges. Those are all challenges. Are, are there solutions in, in the NDP platform or something that you're going to be uh, proposing to be included in the, in the NDP platform that's going to address those challenges? Well, I think the first uh, step and the first solution is not to blame local government. And that's what the current uh, provincial government is doing a lot of the times, is they turn around and say, well, it's local government's fault because you're development cost charges are too high, uh, your approval processing times are too long, uh, you're not allowing enough density, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, and they point the finger, and to some degree, um, some folks in the construction industry and the development industry go along with that finger pointing and kind of jump on the, the bandwagon. So the first step is for the province to accept responsibility and to um, not point the finger at local government and to work with local governments on the solution, which means... Uh, means finding money and it also means trying to listen when there are solutions put forward um, so if if a local government has an idea around you know a mixed-use project maybe using some municipal land and um, working on commercial and residential together um, then that should be an opportunity where the provincial government is working with the municipality and with the federal government to try and find some of the funding to make it happen mm -hmm. and uh, so that's a form of solution but um, obviously they're not it's not an easy um, an easy file because within housing there's there are the different whether it's social rental or attainable there's so many different um, components to it mm -hmm. and there's no one silver bullet one solution that's going to fix it all um, and I, I do think the uh, uh, some of the kind of election promises we've seen from the government the uh, uh, the home purchase sort of program is um, is not as uh, is not going to be as successful as it's suggested because the, the biggest challenge with that on the purchase side is people still have to qualify for a mortgage. And in order to qualify for a mortgage with how high the prices are in a lot of communities, um, the wages that people are making just will not um, allow them to qualify. And, and no matter how low the down payment is or how much money the government lends to them on second mortgages or they're able to borrow from friends and family, um, if you don't have the income to qualify for a mortgage mm -hmm. and the prices are as high as they are, mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to buy a place. And uh, 
Um, so in a, a holistic long-term picture, another part of, of the housing um, issue is around um, our local economy and around whether we're having jobs or careers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know in Invermere, and I suspect it's the same in other areas, um, a real challenge for a lot of younger people is they're working um, service industry jobs and sometimes jumping, working multiple jobs and sometimes um, not year-round or not full-time on a year-round basis. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's some of those careers that are, are lacking. And mm-hmm. uh, so that, again, is a challenge. Mm-hmm. One of the solutions to that, and mm-hmm. this is where I feel some, some comfort with my background, is, uh, and it's what it's, I'm starting to see in a lot of the communities like Revelstoke and Golding, is a lot of younger people are deciding to start their own businesses and make their own careers, um, and often in areas that didn't exist in the past. Mm-hmm. And they're then able to, um, to make a living and in some cases um, can get into a position where then their income is high enough that they are able to, to buy a home. Mm-hmm. So going on to the, to the next question, but it's definitely related to this, um, you were talking about the struggle uh, that people are facing who are making low wages, and you just mentioned people uh, started young people starting new businesses and they they also face a, a similar part of the challenge as they're as they're getting off the ground they can't afford uh, to pay high wages I think uh, the uh, rebel Stokes uh, put out a study on uh, what's considered a living wage and it was uh, I think it was about 18 16 hour or something like that um, so what are you going to do about uh, wages um, uh, how do you deal with that in in a, in a situation where we got a lot of seasonal businesses and uh, a lot very very competitive. For example, the restaurant industry. It's you know it's tough yeah. to make a buck in there. What what do you do about that? Yeah. So one or of what the, are you proposing? I guess is the well. Question. One of the, yeah. the key platforms of the NDP is to raise the minimum wage um, to fifteen dollars an hour, mm-hmm. and this um, will create um, more of a local economy because a lot of people who are working at or close to the minimum wage um, spend the vast majority of their paycheck and they spend it locally. And that um, increased spending and that recirculation in the economy will have spin-offs and it, it will help um, other businesses mm-hmm. and will um, ultimately um, increase spending locally, in my belief. And, and I think that that, that $15 wage amount, although it is a little bit lower than the, the living wage study in, in Revelstoke, um, there are those folks that are you know, in sectors of, of tourism, for example, where they may be making some tips and they may have some other... Um, other benefits in their job which combined with that minimum wage and with some of the benefits in their job would actually push them higher than that living wage um, rate mm-hmm. and would allow them to have a better lifestyle and a better um, work-life balance and uh, ultimately uh, another uh, key platform of the NDP is around childcare and around $10 a day uh, childcare and this also um, would so just in case people don't have the background on this so what exactly is the commitment at this point uh, the commitment is to work towards uh, a, basically a universal childcare of ten dollars a day, where there will be more spaces available and the cost will be uh, ten dollars, which mm-hmm. is substantially lower than what most people are paying right now for childcare. Mm-hmm. And when I talk to a lot of um, younger people with children, uh, the cost of childcare often uh, will exceed what one of the parents are making. Um, in a wage mm-hmm. and it, it creates quite a, a challenge between that decision of, of working or not working and and, um, and in some cases there is no choice but it involves one parent working when the other one isn't and mm-hmm. and it uh, having um, access to more childcare spaces and to a, uh, a lower rate mm-hmm. um, is is something that's also going to ha- 
really help local people and, and be able to uh, mm-hmm. even allow uh, new business owners to be able to uh, um, uh, dedicate more to their business. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it were free, um, and I think everyone would agree that it, that's great. You know, we'd love to, to have a $10 a day uh, daycare. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, it does cost, uh, cost a lot of money to provide that. Um, is, that a costed, uh, is that a costed out platform? Um, and how much is it going to cost and how are you guys going to pay for it? Great question. To be totally honest, I don't have the answer to that as far as the uh, all of the numbers. Um, but I know there has been some some studies done that looked at some of the uh, economic benefits of of that form of uh, subsidized childcare and the uh, increased amount of people working and and what they would pay in income tax, mm-hmm. and then also some of the there are a lot of intangible benefits that would be harder to measure, but just the uh, um, some of the societal benefits mm-hmm. and even some of the advantages to children that are um, go to um, go to daycare and get uh, immersed with other kids and get um, uh, a head start on some of the uh, uh, kind of education um, world before they, they hit kindergarten. Um, there's a, there's a lot of benefits, um, and I I personally think that if we're going to make an investment uh, to invest in our children and invest in in childcare is um, a better use of government money than what uh, the current government is doing in a lot of cases, which is cutting taxes for large businesses and for higher income earners, mm-hmm. and in some cases even subsidizing um, the fossil fuel industry and the resource sector. Um, so yes, there's a cost to childcare, but mm-hmm. um, I think it's money that's well spent, and, and there's definitely opportunities to um, to redirect spending from one area to another. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I spoke with uh, the outgoing MLA Norm McDonald last week about an announcement for uh, uh, four kilometers of highway uh, improvements on the Trans-Canada in an extremely difficult part of the Kicking Horse Canyon. I still haven't figured out exactly where it is, but it's in uh, crossing the river and uh, building new bridges and all that kind of stuff. And his response, uh, and he actually followed up with a media release afterwards saying, well, this is good news, this is great news. Um, so... I interpret that as, uh, and I'll ask you, is you agreeing that the, the provincial government is doing a great job uh, currently on the Trans-Canada Highway? Is, uh, am I wrong? Well, a great job may be a bit of a stretch. Um, this funding announcement... Uh, I'm joking. Do, yes. Yeah, okay. This funding announcement <laughs> is, is good news. Yeah. Of course, we recognize the timing. Of course, it's timed right before an election. And of course, it's political. And any suggestion that the BC Liberal candidate had anything to do with getting this funding is pretty ridiculous, to be honest. Um, there have been a lot of people, municipal folks, um, previous um, MPs and MLAs, lots of people who have worked really hard over a long period of time, um, including the hard work of Norm Macdonald, to see this uh, funding come through. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's more that's needed. And uh, you know, we've seen several election cycles now where there's been big signs saying, you know, four lanes to Kamloops to Alberta, and uh, we've yet to see a lot of the progress on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the commitment from the NDP is to make it happen and to quit promising and start delivering. Um, and part of the obligation on this recent announcement is to make sure that uh, that this money does flow when they say it's going to flow and that the construction happens on time, on budget. It's quite a few years out yet. It's um, four, three or four years before it's going to start, um, I imagine, or I saw. Anyways, yeah, so, Okay. Um, and um, is is the uh, NDP? Do they have? A, do you guys have a platform on what's going to happen with the Trans Canada at this point? Yes, okay. it's to to twin it and to actually do it. 
and put the investment into the Rogers Pass. And, and do you have a date on when that can be completed? Because, I mean, it seems that both parties have a commitment to twin it and four-lane it, um, but at one point in the future. Very good question, and I will try to get that, that firm number. I don't have it off the top of my head. Okay, okay. Um, and I just want to follow up with a couple more questions. Um, you're going to the um, you're going to the Rod and Gun Club uh, dinner tonight uh, while you're in town in Revelstoke here on Saturday. Um, and I thought I would use that as a jumping off point for a question. Um, and that is, I'm wondering if you have any positions that um, are different from what the the party platform is. And this goes back also to my original question of how. How are you going to be an advocate uh, for the riding as opposed to a representative of the party in the riding? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'll start off with uh, with the Rod and Gun Club banquet tonight. I know um, I uh, I know uh, the grizzly bear hunt is mm-hmm. one, one of the one of the things that uh, uh, one of the issues that are out there. There's a lot of people pushing for the ban of this particular hunt. Uh, you you being from the, the East Kootenai region, uh, did you, did you grow up hunting or? No, to be honest, I've never really been a hunter. Okay. Okay. So what? What do you do? So uh, what's what's the party uh, position on that, and what's what's your personal position? Are they different? So the the party position is to uh, eliminate or ban the uh, trophy hunt of grizzly bears. Okay. And that might be unpopular where, where you come from, where where people are into hunting. There as they are here. Yeah. There have been some concerns, um, and I think you know there are some concerns potentially from guide outfitters who um, are actually involved in, in hunting grizzly bears. Um, so they see that as a potential um, risk to their business. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other bigger concern that I think may exist in the hunting community um, is whether or not this is uh, uh, the first attack on, on hunting. And if uh, even if they themselves do not hunt grizzly bears or they themselves don't actually think grizzly bears should be hunted, there can sometimes be the concern um, where is it going to stop? What's next? Um, is it going to lead to more restrictions in the future? And uh, and that's where, um, you know, at this point, my personal beliefs are aligned with the parties. Um, I don't think that we should be hunting grizzly bears for sport or for business. Um, and But I also recognize the importance that hunting has locally in a lot of our communities and the, how it is part of the culture and is part of uh, the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I can can say as far as I know and as, as much as I believe the NDP is, is in not going to be pushing for any bans of, um, of hunting um, deer and elk and those sort of things and if anything the NDP has put forward um, some strong positions on increasing habitat and making investments in the conservation service um, and that's something I strongly believe Revelstoke really needs is a conservation officer and, and more uh, money spent on the ground and uh, to both protect habitat but also uh, potentially do enforcement when, when necessary um, for poachers or for people that are damaging the environment. And uh, so I think ultimately uh, most of the people in the hunting community I think recognize um, how important uh, protecting the environment, protecting um, the habitat is. And, uh, and I think the NDP is actually the party that wants to do that the most and, and has the most concrete uh, proposals to do it. Um, so and one of those concrete proposals is we're going to have a conservation officer based here in, in Revelstoke. That's my opinion. It's not okay. not a formal policy of the the NDP, but it's something that I would work really hard to advocate for. I think um, on a holistic basis, um, the conservation service across BC has been underfunded, and uh, and it does great work, but they need more funding. They need more people on the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just want to follow up with a couple questions. Um, 
based on my original theme is you making the case to uh, the listeners. And uh, that is, um, what local issues um, are we going to hear about from you in, if you're elected in the next four years? What are you going to be championing and uh, uh, what are you going to be talking about? And especially if, if maybe if they're, they're not the front burner issues for the party, what, mm-hmm. what, what are you going to be vocal about? Yeah, well, the first and foremost, and, and I've learned this over 14 years of being in local government, um, is you have to be willing to listen and you have to be willing to keep your ears open and your, your mind open. And uh, when a, a new issue or a new topic comes forward, and certainly there will be a lot in the next four years that we can't even comprehend right now, um, you have to be willing to listen to the local folks and, uh, and really uh, take that message back to Victoria. Um, we saw in this riding... Um, after the, the 2001 um, election or the when we had Wendy McManus, the BC Liberal um, MLA, um, we saw a form of representation which was Victoria back to the riding and it was a one-way flow of information and that's absolutely not what the people here want and I recognize that. Um, so the importance is to, to be able to keep an open mind and listen to people and uh, um, so that's more of a general statement. Um, some uh, areas that I see already as being really significant and important um, for this riding regionally and for local communities. Um, there's a lot of concern over BC hydro rates, a lot of concern. Um, big parts of the riding have um, no natural gas and very limited um, options around um, heating um, and, and different fuel types. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, mentioned it before, but the um, food security and, and support and access to local food um, is a really important kind of emerging theme it also ties into agriculture, but there's also um, areas around, you know, secondary food manufacturing and, and um, some real opportunities for local economy that could use a little more attention, a little more support potentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then uh, one item that one area that I've I've sort of spent a lot of my political career being very involved with is uh, the jungle resort mm-hmm. proposal and the uh, municipality with no residents. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only is this item you know, still somewhat an issue because the municipality still exists, but it's also a, an example or a representation of um, what can happen when the province isn't listening to the local residents. And if the local residents um, are not behind a project or they're not supporting something, um, it removes the social license and it um, it's something that the politicians should be listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, so advocating on behalf of what I believe to be the vast majority of, of the residents in the riding, um, opposing the jungle resort, opposing municipality with no residents. Um, that's been a really important um, position of mine for many years and uh, and something that I would continue to do if elected. Mm-hmm. And one last follow-up question. Uh, Revelstoke has done uh, fairly well in the past few years on the local food uh, and food security issues. We have a Food security coordinator, and as well as uh, there's the local food initiative, which is a, a nonprofit committee, and they've sort of all been working uh, together with a bunch of uh, different community groups to to get the program going and get funding. I, I see it very much as a locally um, driven uh, initiative, and there's a lot of enthusiasm for our farmers market and and some some new uh, local food production that's coming on. And I want to join that with another idea, and that was prior to the last election. Um, uh, the, the NDP were putting out some pretty specific um, platform uh, 
um, proposals prior to the election. We we're seeing a lot of very specific things. And I do remember a few that were, were related to food security. This election, maybe it's just too far out yet. It's May 9th is when it's coming up. But I'm not really seeing as many of those kind of real specific uh, uh, proposals. Maybe that's a, a change in uh, strategy. What do you have any concrete, like what is your, how are you going to advance food security? What are you, what are you going to do? Um, so you're right, there hasn't been a lot of specific uh, uh, platforms released yet, um, mm -hmm. but the, the party will be releasing them. Um, but I think one of the, the key areas in, in food security and local food production, um, and it's something that we've seen in the, uh, the issue with the farm gate sales and some of the, um, the ranching, um, is one of the, the biggest things that government can do is, is um, be careful when they put in regulations and how those regulations can affect small producers whether they're farmers, ranchers, or food processors. Um, and even in the world of farmers markets and some of the, uh, the uh, food safety world, um, I think that the, it, it's necessary for the provincial government to um, keep the, the small producers and the small scale um, local communities in mind when they're passing regulations mm -hmm. because often a lot of the regulations around food are pushed by the, the large companies. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the requirements um, mm -hmm. are those that can only be met by the largest companies that have in-house mm -hmm. um, consultants writing plans and in-house labs doing nutritional analysis and mm -hmm. um, and it becomes very difficult for um, mm -hmm. for small players to meet those kind of requirements so mm -hmm. um, so that's something that I think specifically um, the NDP and the provincial government should focus on is making sure that regulations mm -hmm. um, work with the reality and the future opportunities for food security and local food yeah, like I heard from a local food store owner that they have access to better eggs, but they, they have to bring them in from Salmon Arm because of the regulations surrounding it. And of course, when you're talking about the farm gate sales back in 2006, I think -ish, uh, there was a lot of changes that led to the shutdown of quite a few um, abattoirs and uh, caused uh, problems for other mm. small producers in, in that they had to truck their uh, their animals to slaughter a long ways away and it just became economically not viable so we can anticipate some uh, some announcements coming soon on that I sure hope so I'll be definitely yeah. be advocating for it and it's one area with my background in in small business in the food industry um, and making my own products and doing a little bit of local distribution mm -hmm. is I I know firsthand what some of the regulations are like um, mm -hmm. for nutritional labels and for packaging and also just the disconnect between what we want to be doing, which is farm to fork and some direct um, local connections. Mm -hmm. And then in some of the, the food safety world, how they can suddenly put up barriers and say, well, unless you have a, um, unless this is coming from an audited um, source, you're not allowed to carry it in your restaurant. And, mm -hmm. and these sort of things um, are counterintuitive to logic. They're counterintuitive to what uh, the, um, the trend that we're starting to see with food. And I think it's the job of government to make sure that we, we make sure these things make sense on the ground mm -hmm. and can support what our local communities are trying to do already. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Jerry Taft is uh, the candidate for the NDP in uh, Columbia River Revelstoke uh, for the uh, provincial election coming up on May 9th. Jerry, thanks for stopping in and talking to me today. Thank you.